Aguri Suzuki, uh, thank you for talking to us. Um, it must be very sad, though, not to be taking part in the race here in Turkey. No, 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 not at all. This was great race for us. Uh, no expensive broken carbon fiber. No exploding engine. This was actually our best result ever. I look forward to not competing in many races for the rest of the season. Right. And having watched the race here, um, who would you say was your driver of the day? I would say that will have to be Ralph Schumacher. Ralph Schumacher isn't, he isn't actually in F1 anymore. Yes, I know. Uh, five races in, and same points tally for him as last year. Plus 60% less embarrassment result. You've gone mad. Mad as an adult Labrador with a turtle on it. And six weasels. Ooh, they knew you can't it. Welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, or if you're listening in Turkey, Nassal son, and the response is Ben Aim. Richard, are you Ben? No, I'm Richard. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, we've, should we talk Turkey? Yes. Talk Turkey. <laughs> that was a great race, the F1 race in Turkey. Another win for Massa from Pole. He only wins from Pole, I think, doesn't he? Has he ever won from anywhere else? Do we know? Uh, I'm not sure, but he certainly made a habit of winning in Turkey. Uh, yeah. The the trot into yeah, as he was very keen to do after the race. Did you see him mugging to the camera, doing holding three fingers up? Yeah, I mean, and, sort of, and his little face all kind of happy. He's quite <laughs> something slightly childlike about him when he does yeah. that. He's only eleven, isn't that's, he? I think. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Formula One drivers are getting younger all the time. Have you noticed? Or we're getting older. I don't know. They're Maybe. getting younger. I think. Yeah. I think who's, the, who's the oldest in F1 now? Is it Coulthard? <laughs> yeah, 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 or Weber. They're the oldest team, so it must be Coulthard. Yeah, who's eighty-six? I think now. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. he is. How old Barrichello? He has a bifocal visor on his helmet. Bar- Barrichello's <laughs> two hundred and fifty-seven. <laughs> he's done more. He's done no, no, more no, no, race that, stuff. Cat years. Confused. So uh, and the youngest. Sorry, I'm, I was warming to a theme here because I'm intrigued. Who's the youngest? Make, make us all feel very old. Um, Vettel. 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 Who's twenty? I think. Right. I may be wrong. I may be wrong. Lewis is only twenty. 22 or 23 now I think 23 possibly Mm. and Alonso was the youngest ever world champion so there is a trend there isn't there that they're getting younger a couple of years time they'll be racing around in nappies I think uh, yeah uh, didn't um, Nelson Piquet need to do that anyway wasn't he famously the one who was always winging in his car there was Eddie Irvin too well no, no, really? well, no Eddie Irvin is one of the drivers who I can remember talking about it I think, oh, it's, okay. I think it's one of those areas of um, I don't know uh, r- racing practice that yes. isn't often discussed yeah. a Formula 1 driver who uh, left Formula 1 last year a driver for Toro Rosso Scott Speed did in fact race in nappies seriously because he had ulceric um uh, Colost, uh, no, what do you call it? Um, An embarrassing medical condition that uh, he's basically, quite bad. He we're discussing on himself during the race. Yeah, he did. He really oh, did. He yeah. had ulcerated colitis, right. which um, uh, when I knew Scott Speed in A1 Grand Prix, he was a grumpy old young thing. Mm. And I think I understand now. And if you've got a race and you have the option of having a colostomy bag or nappies oh, and stuff, man, right. he, he suddenly rocketed in my, my estimation. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's that's as far as I know, that's the truth. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, let's talk turkey, as I was saying. Lewis did well, didn't he, boys? Ooh! Ooh! Oh, he's back. He's back. Lewis! He's back. Yeah. I had a small Good. confession, of course. I, I did, in fact, miss the entire race like, <laughs> on the count of a small oversleep and getting the start time of the race wrong. So, uh... That may have been my fault those are yeah but the post-race coverage was excellent <laughs> <laughs> did you know 
according to James Allen, that a, uh, a driver's head in turn eight at Turkey is subject to a loading of 25 kilograms, and that is the equivalent of, and I'm quoting, a large adult Labrador dog being tied to your helmet. Yeah, I've, I've often what thought is he on about? when I'm watching a race that uh, they must be experiencing. Well, I think as, as akin to having a large dog strapped to your head. You're a big fan of, of uh, benchmarks, I know. Um, Standard SI units yes. of measurements. Yeah, I mean, you know, area the size of Wales, area yep. the size of the Isle of Wight, Check. length of a double-decker bus, Bingo. weight of a blue whale. Yes, <laughs> that's a standard one. Yeah. Size column. of an elephant, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Wembley Stadium, and now we have, ooh, it's as heavy as an adult <laughs> Labrador dog. Where classic, did he get that classic. one from, do you suppose? Has he got an adult Labrador happened. dog at no, home? Just, like well, actually, I don't it? know how much. Do they weigh 25 kilos? The point is... <laughs> I just like maybe develop this theme that everything is related back to the weight of animals. Uh, the breaking force there, uh, probably about the equivalent of 217 cod. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those comparisons that actually makes it more confusing rather yes, than less. Yes, it does. You know, you know when, when you have, you know, when somebody says, okay, that's, uh, they're going to be pulling a 4G through that corner, so that's going to be as if your head weighs four times as much. Yeah. As you know, you can get a grip on that. Yeah. It's as if somebody's just stapled a Labrador to your head. Yeah, well, what? 25 kilos. We sort of know 25 kilos is 25 kilos. You don't have to go, uh, can we just have your height and weight for this med? Yeah, well, I weigh about the same as two Labradors and a fat kitten. And a couple of Labradors. <laughs> you know, the weight is the weight. It's an absolute. Yeah. It expresses weight. I mean, you, you don't, don't then confuse it by then just throwing several yeah. more variables. I find animal comparisons quite useful sometimes. I, I once wrote an article about a motorbike I rode, which was a Bimota Mantra, which was this astonishing thing that looked a bit like a um, cross between a wasp and Flash Gordon spaceship. And I swear, this bike accelerated like wily coyote on a rocket bike you know it, it, it when just it's, sits there for a moment sort of making a lot of noise and then just goes <laughs> yeah, the yeah. It, it vanishes you stay where you are your arms extend <laughs> rubber for about 30 foot you have enough time to turn left to the camera and have that sort of expression on your face like wily coyote oh my lord and then snap you catch up with it and then moreover this thing accelerated like wily coyote on a, on a rocket bike right but stopped like the roadrunner me, me. Perfect. I remember when you had that bike, even though I didn't know you, and this is a lie. Because, because at one point, didn't you? You rode to the edge of a cliff, hovered in mid-air for a bit, and then dropped to the ground with a whistling sound. And then the whistling sound stopped, and then suddenly there was a exactly a yes. moment in the science. valley floor. That I remember that distinctly. Yeah, but I don't think there were any adult Labrador dogs strapped to my helmet. Well, I seem to remember that particular motorbike weighed about the same as four badgers with um, a hamster balanced on top. Can we get back to racing? How has this happened? Where are we <laughs> It always happens, and that's why we do this. Gareth Jones on speed. The team done a great job. I'm here in the pit lane with David Coulthard. David, how was the race in Turkey for you today? A very disappointing uh, weekend, sadly. Uh, I didn't manage to actually hit anyone throughout the whole race. Um, had some uh, opportunities early on but just couldn't make contact uh, with any other cars and in the closing stages of the race everyone just wasn't close enough for me to uh, actually collide with them. Um, this this is dodgems isn't it? No David. No? Oh, it's a bit embarrassing. No wait um, what's that other race series where the idea is to bash into people all the time? Um, touring cars. Thanks David. Um, Back to you in the studio. Ow! Sorry, poor Sahara. Hey, Petrus! We got a sound of speed! 
Let's see what else happened in this race. Uh, this oh, Bourdais, we lost Bourdais due to some kind of mechanical failure that we don't mm. yet know about. Um, Vettel had a quiet race. Poor old Giancarlo Fisichella fell off at the first corner again. And then said it wasn't his fault. Now, to my mind, looking mm. at the footage and the replays, he did just sort of forget to brake hard enough. He braked to avoid someone, went right, and then launched over the back of Kazuki Nakajima, I think. Uh, yes. Took off his rear wing. But actually, if you're going to drive over yeah. another car... The shape of the rear wing on the Williams is the best one. You don't want to go over the back of the rear wing of, let's say, a Red Bull or, or a Renault, because yeah. it, it would. Too, yeah. But it, it was launched into the air and slammed down. Did you notice on the in car, the rear facing in car of uh, the Red Bull? In fact, we said this when we were watching the race. Yeah. I don't know whether you spotted this, sort of, if you saw that. Or, uh, the, Didn't, uh, no. That fin on the back. The end of it minutely wobbles around. Now, how much aero benefit is that going to give? You can see uh, it is it a movable aerodynamic device? Ah, Stuart's Well, interestingly, the 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 fin, the extended fin on the back of the Renault, wags around a lot more than the one on the Red Bull. Mm. And I think that's. I mean, these guys will know they're putting these things through hundreds of hours in the wind tunnel. Anything that's flapping around like that is not only going to act as some kind of drag, but it's also going to throw that aerodynamic flow off the back of the airbox onto the rear wing and move it round left and right, left and right, left and right. It's, it's, it ah. can't possibly work. Is it conceivable that that movement is actually achieving something desirable? The thing, Either, right. well, you get a bit of paper or cardboard, flap it in front of your face when you're hot, nice cooling breeze accelerated across your face. Maybe it's flapping and accelerating the air across the rear wing. Spreading Ooh, it across no. the whole of the Ooh, rear no. wing. I'm no physicist. Well, uh, someone told me, I can't say who, that um, Renault might be stretching the rules a little bit with their car at the moment. Maybe this is what they're doing to achieve the speeds which they've suddenly found, which they didn't have until Barcelona. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering... Obvious question is: Are we going to see these the those fins popping up on a lot of other cars? You know, is this something that Renault and Red Bull have? You know, one of the little sort of areas of uh, being able to extract more performance, get some more out of the airflow of a car that they've cottoned on to that the other teams haven't worked how to make to the work to their benefit yet. Um, They're all trying. Well, there's also what's that Honda doing with the front thing? Looks like the ears of the rabbit from Matt Groening's Life in Hell cartoon. Do you know the one I mean? Yeah, but only when you look from the back. Yes. You, yeah, 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 yeah. Look from the or, or an inquisitive Labrador. Yeah. Tied to someone's crash helmet. I think 25 kilos. They were, t- they were talking about the grading uh, period for the cars in the race in Turkey. Yeah. Is that what they meant? That it was the map graining period, do you suppose? Can I just ask, by the way, Mr. Gareth Jones brackets on speed, why are you dressed like a member of a Jordan F1 pit crew today? Fantasy. Right. Fantasy, yeah. In my a, it's Jordan show. Hang on, he's got Craig. Who did you nick this off? Craig. Craig. Yeah. <laughs> Not Alan. Is, I am wearing, for the benefit of those who are listening in black and white, <laughs> I am wearing a proper Jordan team shirt today from the last season in which Damon Hill was in Jordan which of course was my favourite driver and my favourite team of all time so the I just buzzing hornets are it is the real thing yeah. it's got Deutsche World Post on it HP they were a bit short of sponsors by then weren't they it's quite a lot of real yeah. estate there Moving not covered with stuff yeah but it was in a different age really when cars were cruder and we were all a little bit happier and Giancarlo Fisichella didn't crash quite as much as he does now oh hang on he did. Yeah. But he was very happy. Gareth Jones on speed. I had a great start. 
All right, I'm John Mini Cooper Clark. Uh, I've written a poem about Super Yuri. Now, it's supposed to be written in the style of a Japanese haiku, uh, just 17 syllables, but I ended up writing something like 325 syllables. Uh, because just like poor old Super Yuri, the numbers just didn't add up. Anyway, here we go. I heard the news last week, old boy, about a Superman who almost made the grey. I wish that it was possible that he could have stayed. It would have happened if SS United had coughed up and paid. Failure to meet the bill was more than just a blip. They didn't pay and paved the way to sink a beauty ship. Time was running out, tick, tick, tock. As Martin Leach's magma group spewed up pyroclastic cock, the Dubai Investment Group just wouldn't bridge the gulf. Suzuki, take care, better beware of dubious sheiks dressed up as a wolf. Just like Franz Joseph Weigel's cash, it seemed it wasn't for real. If you ask me, I rather feel they weagled out of the deal. So two samurai drivers have left a paddock that's now bereft with Super Iguri's exit stage left. With his name he might have been better to have Baleno Oliana printed on his cars and sweater if only Iguri had the balls to write Swift or Vitara on his team shirt and overalls. With a title like Suzuki, you really got to wonder why this backing came from a company called Honda. In one fell swoop in the middle of the night, Super Aguri F1 were wiped out like dinosaurs hit by a meteorite. The kryptonite that annihilated Super Aguri's team was Nick Fry's frightening nightmare of Honda's Earth Dream. Super Aguri, R.I.P. Race in peace. Thank you. Darren Jones on speed. We've got a great package. Here's a question for you, Richard Zog. If A1 Grand Prix and Formula One had a fight, who would win? Oh, obviously F1, no contest. Are they allowed knives? Yeah, the South African <laughs> team is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> A1 <laughs> Grand Prix, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, would they be fighting clean? Would it be a dirty fight? I mean, yeah, would, would, a would, horrible punch-checking-out time fight. Yeah. Do, you yeah. think, do you think Bernie would fight dirty? Oh, no, he wouldn't fight. I think he would get some henchmen. A couple of fight. minders, yeah. 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 But a joke, joking aside probably not for long A1 Grand Prix is really starting to up the gear a little bit because Zog and I went to the A1 Grand Prix finale at Brands Hatch and there was a good turnout wasn't there the stands weren't packed but they were pretty full and a good crowd and an awful lot of support for Robbie Kerr there were a lot of Team GBR hats and shirts around weren't there yeah and good to see him winning one of the races and putting a good show per second in the other to give the supporters a bit of satisfaction but where were the Dutch there were a lot of Verstappen supporters certainly last time we were uh, we were there. I what think. were they and not? Uh, there weren't Dutch fans in the crowd. Not there as many as just usual. A little little groups. No, because you know, we went there to the, the first one, first ever A1GP race at Brands, and um, there were loads of Dutch people there. 
and they were all going mental. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, not, it's not that far for them to come, is it? You know, no. Quite, so. I think the Dutch uh, effectively launched A1 Grand Prix because in the first season, wherever we went in the world, there was Dutch throng in the crowd. And, mm. you know, quite often they were the only people in the crowd at one or two races. But these days, because Jos is not driving in the Dutch team anymore, they've got Jeroen Bliekemolen, who's pretty good. I don't think he has the sort of passionate support that Jos did. Mm. And there was a bit of bad feeling between Jos and A1 when he left A1. I think a lot of uh, Dutch fans, Jos fans, could potentially boycotted the series, you know, mm. or weren't as supportive as they would have been if Jos had continued to race. It's just reminding me of something. I was down by the London Eye filming something with um, the Top Gear lot uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I saw a group of Dutch tourists, and they were wearing T-shirts that said, and as a final touch, God created the Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. One of the great advantages of having worked for A1GP in the past, you met we some of the drivers we again, We ran didn't you? to uh, Adam Kahn, lovely chap, and uh, Alan Jones, and uh, not a driver, we should uh, just clarify. Say, but, yeah. uh, not but, these uh, days. Some, something of a legendary figure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, Khalil. And uh, we saw uh, a certain Alan Prost uh, hanging around in the b- backstage. Richard, oh, yes, I know. Zog spotted Alan Prost in the French garage, the hospitality uh, for the French team. Now, Alan's son, who is called Nicolas yeah. Prost, yeah. Mm is the rookie driver for Team France. He's done mm. all right, actually. He's done quite well. Top ten, I think. But I wish, at the time, I'd have gone up to Alan Prost and said, Alan, we had this great song about you in Gary Jones <laughs> on speed. And I, I didn't do it. I can't believe I didn't do that song. We really should have done it. Ne- next time, we're going to take, we're going to take a little, we'll take a CD to give him next time. Yeah, okay, that? done. Uh, if he'd gone, oh, yes, this happens to me a lot. There are over 400 songs written about me <laughs> in a comedy style. <laughs> One of the things that I thought was most interesting, for a change, it wasn't the technology on the car, it was the technology that the cameraman who was doing the grid work for the A1GP coverage mm. was using. He had his camera mounted on a Segway, which, you know, oh, for those okay. uh, listeners who uh, aren't familiar with, is, uh, it, you know, it, it's the two-wheeled kind of electric, high-tech, sci-fi... Gyro-stabilised... Trans- mm. Personal transportation Personal transportation device. system, yes. Go and look it up. S-E-G-W-A-Y. Great little thing. But, and, and with this slightly modified Segway, he had the most fantastic, smooth, Dalek, mm. scrolling-like wheel device to, to wheel him up and down the pit lane silently and smoothly yeah, with, all his, with, his, with his camera on a nice, you know, steady tripod. Yeah. But A1 Grand Prix, full respect to them being innovative oh. in this yeah, respect. Yeah, Segway, yeah. very clever. The, the, the cameraman that Zog's talking about, Patrick, who I know, who I worked with when I was on A1, Grand Prix. Uh, the camera itself is not actually mounted on the Segway. He's got a full steady cam, which is a, a breastplate and this sort of knuckle suspended yeah. uh, arm, which the camera's mounted on, which takes the, doesn't take the weight of the uh, of the camera, it merely transfers the weight of that camera to your body. Yeah, and back problem, steady cam and I've, I've mm. driven um, uh, Segways. Now, normally with a Segway you have a kind of a, a, a grab handle and you lean forward to accelerate and pull back to brake. And However, this Segway's been modified. He's got two foot pedals and he's, he's accelerating left and right with his foot pedals wow. and operating mm. the camera at the same time with two guys minders yeah, either side I was going to ask does he not clonk into things yeah that's why he says he's he two minders going get out of the way quick <laughs> and, and fair play to Patrick I was talking to him about this afterwards one of the big problems of operating this Segway at Brands Hatch is that the start finish straight at Brands Hatch as you head into the first corner is canted to the right Uh-oh. so he's having to compensate uh. and he was forever touching the left hand pedal and the thing was starting to go left so he was operating with asymmetric camber full 
respect to that. But anyway, enough about the technology. Let's talk about the racing. In the paddock afterwards, uh, luckily enough, Narain Karthikeyan, who won the feature race in some style, I have to say. It was a great race, wasn't it, Zog? Oh, fantastic. Um, I saw Narain racing back to the uh, hospitality unit for Team India, and I thought, I'm going to catch him and have a quick word. Narain... Can we walk and talk? Congratulations. It was a, a wonderful performance today. How does it feel to beat Robbie on home turf? I mean, I would call this also my home turf because I've lived in England for so many years and raced in so many formulas and um, and I, I just love this place and I go very well here, so I'm really happy. Well, as a, a former Jordan fan, I'm thrilled to see you doing so well in A1GP and we need more drivers of your calibre in this series. Congratulations. Thank it's you a, very much. There's a big crowd Thank shouting you. for you. Ray goes off to a very warm welcome, indeed. There you go, that's why I'm wearing the Jordan shirt today, because Narain Karthikeyan was one of the last Jordan drivers, you see. A bit of full respect for him, as, as you know. But um, poor old Robbie lost that race in the pitch, really. A combination of things, I think. Well, yeah, because he did pass Karthikeyan during the race, and then and then Narain got him back after Team GB had a slightly slow pit stop. Their, uh, their last pit stop was a bit slow. Yeah, it? I think two things happened there. Robbie was a bit slow coming into the pits, from my point of view, but they did have a problem with one of the rear wheels, a recurrent problem on the A1 GP cars because originally the A1 Lola chassis were um, developed from the Formula 3000 chassis and so the wheels were never designed for racing pit stops which gave Mm -hmm. them real problems in the first season and they actually modified the wheel hubs and the wheel mounts in order to make it possible to change the tyres and occasionally it still gives them trouble I believe poor guys Mm -hmm. but Robbie is never the most comfortable guy to be interviewed I think in A1 GP he doesn't have English as a second language unlike many of the guys in A1 GP but um, occasionally I struggle to get um, a chat with him on A1GP but you know this time I managed to get a good few words with him in the paddock and I asked him what does it take to win the feature race at Brands Hatch yeah a little bit of luck but yeah it's been a fantastic day in front of the home crowd they've been so supportive all weekend once again and uh, it's just a shame we didn't do the double for them but we're so close and um, I'm sure next year when we come back we'll give it another good go and I'm pretty certain we can try and do it this time Knowing the guys in your garage like you and I do, you've got a tremendous team there. And unlike a number of other teams up and down the pit lane, you're pretty much on your own gathering data. Does that make it more difficult than the guys who are running two teams? It, obviously it does, but um, the guys have been fantastic in their support. They, they give it 110% the whole time. and Just as much as I'll beat myself up when we're out there, if I make a mistake, they beat themselves up. And uh, it's been, They've had a great year. And it's just a shame on the final pit stop it didn't quite go our way. On a, a broader subject, rather than this race this weekend, what was the high point and the low point of this season for you? Obviously the highest point is always been here at Brands Hatch. It's been absolutely fantastic. The lowest point was going down to uh, New Zealand once again and we're not getting any points, but we were quick all weekend. But we just didn't get any points there because uh, we got knocked off in the first race and we had a problem in the second race which caused us to stop. So that was the lowest point. But we came back strong in Australia and we've just got to carry on doing the same. Having done this series, not as long as you, but having been around the world with you once, I think A1's a bit like banging your head against a brick wall. It's great fun when you're doing it, but when it stops, it must feel great. How do you feel at the end of the season? What are you going to do? Now I'm going to probably go and race at Spa next weekend, but... Uh, no, it's been fantastic being with A1 and obviously always working hard. So are you in the um, sports cars in Spa? Yeah. 
because you were in the Barati Epsilon team, was it last year at Le Mans? Yeah, it? Barati Epsilon, we finished second in LMP2 class, and uh, last weekend I was in Monza driving for creation in LMP1, and we finished fourth, we were third into the last lap, so it was a bit of a gutting moment there, again, like here, but no, uh, we'll see what I'm doing for the rest of the year, it's not 100% certain just yet, but we'll wait and find out. Some of the drivers, Neil Yarny's the one who says his focus has clearly been on A1. Your focus has been on A1 for three years. Is that focus wavering at all now? No, definitely. I love A1. It's been fantastic to me and I love being here. But uh, I always like racing and so if there's an opportunity to race, I'm going to take it. Well, I've seen you race. I think you race like a terrier. <laughs> and uh, good luck, mate. Thanks, good luck. Mate. It's nice to see you again. Good to see you. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Interesting what Robbie said there. Although he promises that he might be in an A1 GP car next year, there was also some doubt. He said he wants to go racing, and he is racing as we speak at Spa in the uh, sports cars at the moment, as we said there. So I don't know, will we see Robbie in the GP car next year, or will it be Oliver Jarvis? My guess is Robbie will still get the odd race, but Jarvis could, if they can steal him away from his other commitments, become the main driver for Team GBR. But I wish them well, they're a great team. And isn't A1 good? It is good, but um, the question I was going to ask is, is where do we think the series is kind of going from here? Because there was some talk around Brands Hatch about how some of the circuits are actually paying supposedly to bring the A1GP races to them, uh, which is which, 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 if that's true, is you know a sign that the series is really starting to be something of success. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's the opposite of what's happened previously. Up to now, in order to establish itself, A1 has funded some of the races, but now some of the races are paying to have A1GP turn up. I'm not sure which ones and how verifiable that is, but I'm inclined to believe it because. This whole announcement that next year Ferrari will be supplying the chassis and the engines for A1GP mm. has helped a whole bunch of other sponsors come on board. In the last couple of weeks, A1GP have announced an official timing sponsor, uh, uh, which is a big watch manufacturer. And uh, well, you'd hope so. Not a company that makes cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and it is actually a big watch manufacturer. Manufacturers <laughs> of big it's watches. That. It's bigger than that. Bigger what, than what's that, that watch? What's that? Uh, that's, it's a Russian pilot. Watch it's, uh, it's bigger than that. It's a 42 millimeter, but you can get um, a, a friend of mine, uh, the editor of Evo magazine, Harry, uh, bought an Italian watch called a U boat. He bought one a few years ago off eBay and he just saw it on eBay, thought it looked quite cool. Bought one, it's only when it turned up he realized it was like a sort of 46 millimeter face, wow. maybe even bigger. I think there might be 50 mil, some of them they're huge. And it was a sort of standing joke that he could just stand there with his arm out and act like a wall clock for the rest of the office because hang, it was massive. Richard, hang on, 46 millimeters isn't that about the same size as the face of three gerbils and half a hamster using the new standard? It's um, a puppy's face, yeah, sellotaped yeah. to a couple of lizards. That's what it is, yeah, or a, or a, a fully stuffed anaconda cross section, perhaps. <laughs> yes, that, actually, that's the better one, yeah, that's the benchmark. So, staying with A1GP, as we weren't, the final person I spoke to in the paddock after the race was world champion, although I don't know if they're called world champions because I don't know if it's an FIA sanctioned series. Hang on, they. The FIA can stop you saying you're the world champion. I think so, yeah. What sure. a bunch of mean spirits. Because surely they can only do that if you're claimed to be world champion in a in an FI in something like the FIA yeah. sanction series. Oh, okay, so they're just yeah. trying to protect F1, right? They're, they're not going to march into the snooker and go, "Oh no, 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 yeah. no! You, O'Sullivan, no, not world champion. <laughs> exactly. You're the best at snooker there is." So he is the winner of the World Cup of Motorsport for Team Switzerland. My old pal Neil Yarny. Neil, my friend, how hey. are you? Fine, and you? I'm fantastic. You got a minute? Just ask. <laughs> I'll answer. Good man. Congratulations. That was probably a long time coming. 
you showed your promise in season one. We missed you in season two. How difficult was it this year? Um, well, season two, you know, was uh, was. You were well, busy. I was busy. I just did two or three races, but now season three, we did it, and it's what we always wanted, and it's finally there. It's a tough series to win in because it's such a level playing field. You know, without answering in cliches, how did you do it? Well, it's getting every year harder, no? And uh, obviously, third year was the hardest of the three. And, you know, it's, we had just had a good package this year and it worked well. Your experiences in the other formula, GP2, Champ Car, testing for F1, did that improve you as a driver? I mean, how did it change you? Did you think you brought something back to A1 from that? Um, definitely, you know, they, they, they give you experience, they, they help, they, each series gets you a step forward. But in the end, you know, great. we just had great teamwork. Got a great engineer, gave me a great car, and, you know, that's what I needed. How does it feel coming back to these cars after some of the other things you've driven? Oh, nice. It's a nice, it's a nice championship. It's a little bit of a crazy car, but it's great. It's, it's something that you can muscle around, and as far as I can understand from talking to people who work with you, you're an intelligent, deft driver. So how, how does that work? You've just got to be a bit brutal with these cars, a bit strong, haven't you? Oh yeah, you just have to hassle those cars a little bit to go really quick and uh, well, it looks like I figured it out this year. And what was your strategy if you had one for the first race today? Was it a conservative no, approach? No, actually I tried to go for a podium but you know, on the, on the start it was a little bit close. So I had to go, I had settled in for fourth and then in the second race I tried to go for the win. Unfortunately, we lost too much on the first pit stop and uh, then our second pit stop was great and I started to catch up and we got that podium which we wanted. You've been very vocal in your support for A1. You're one of the few drivers to come out and say, look, my focus is with A1 now. Now that you've earned the World Championship, the World Cup of Motorsport, does that focus stay with A1 or have you got other offers? Yeah, my plan is to be here in September 2008. Well, you'd be a car with a Ferrari engine. You've That's driven fine. a car with a Ferrari engine before. Do you know much about the new cars? Um, no, I don't know yet, but they look good and they seem to be good. Well, they'll look good in your capable hands. Good. Mr. Yanni, it's been a pleasure to see you again. Thank you. I've missed you, and I'll Thank see you again soon. Yeah. Bye. Neil Yanni was a test driver for Toro Rosso when they had Ferrari engines last year, I think it was, or even the year before. I lose track now. But um, it's going to be good next year, I think, A1 Grand Prix. Did you know they're losing Cooper tyres as their tyre supplier next year? Who's going to be the tyre supplier for A1 next year? Do you know this? No, Michelin. Exactly. Is it? Michelin. Because of the association with Ferrari. Ah. The Ferrari thing is interesting because as a as a headline bit of news, you know, it sounds fantastic and you can see why it would perhaps help to attract, you know, uh, a lot of sponsors to some of the teams. But um unless I'm mistaken, Ferrari doesn't really have much experience of, you know, building a load of chassis for a load of teams mm. for a spec series. Um, this is new territory for them. You know, yeah. the, the, you know, the only series to which they've supplied you know, multiple cars and chassis are, are series which they're supplying essentially you know, road car. modified road, road cars. cars. Yeah, 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 which of course series, already. Yeah. So, yeah, how good a job are they going to do? Because yeah. it may not be as good a job as you might think. 
and I don't think that this is just us worried about this. I spoke to one or two people in the pit lane who maintain the cars of various teams who will remain nameless, and a couple of them said, well, I am a little concerned that the car that we'll get next year, because they're going to get them fairly late, I think we'll get the new Ferraris in September, and the first race is in Mugello in September. Mm. So they're close to the Ferrari factory to get some spares, I think. (laughs) And uh, the concern is that, you know, no two Ferraris are the same. (laughs) Whereas, to be fair, in the past, all the Lola chassis that they've had in A1GP have been built to a pretty fair standard. Mm. And someone said, yeah, you can take a bit off any car, bolt it on another A1 car, and it will fit and work. So uh, it was a joy to watch those Lolas go around the circuit and do donuts at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's there's some good burnouts at the end there. So that's it for Gareth Jones on speed, and that's it for Lola cars with Zytec engines in A1 GP. Next year it's Ferrari, so if A1 and F1 had a fight, I think it got just a little bit closer than it was last year. And I'll leave you with a song uh, we've cobbled together about the wonderful chassis that were Lola. Bye, guys.
still racing in F1. Oh, Lola, make F1 your goal. Don't go away, Lola. Right to the show on speed at garethjones.tv. You can read more info at www.garethjones.tv or subscribe for free at the iTunes store. Gareth Jones on Speed is made by Wizbang.